Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren, here. And your co-host, Brad Pauble. Ooh, thank you, thank you. Brad, the Bradley Pauble. Oh, thank you. Double claps. Yeah, if you guys recognize that clap, you should, because we have Vince Mazza back with us today. Um, as a reminder, he's a CEO over at Guard Street Cybersecurity. Welcome back. Good to be here. I kind of like the name. I kind of like the name, Vince, Guard Street. How'd you come up, come up with the name? It was a lot of work, uh, yeah. but but we we did uh, an exhaustive amount of searching for words that seemed to fit together, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to take over uh, the the security for companies on uh, major streets, and so we came up with Guard Street. Guard I like the it. Street. I there like you it. go. It's not one of those where it's like. We're going to spend $50,000 to have an agency come up with a logo for us. And then they like send over the letter V for Vince. And you're like, well, that's going to be 50000 Now, I didn't say we didn't hire an agency for the logo. <laughs> I didn't say yours was simple, but, you know, it just made me think of those funny stories where it's like, here, here's this square, this blue square. Right. That's going to cost Brilliant. you 75 grand. Millions. Right. And then it's, it's like hanging in an art gallery and, you know. Nobody knows the origins know. of it. Why is this square blue? And it's worth $14 million. I would love to see our logo in, a, in an art gallery. Hopefully. That one, day, one day. One yes. day. You know, you could actually just print one out and go to a gallery and leave it there and see if anybody like accidentally throw it on the wall, you know. And I think you know what? I'm going with it. You should. Do it. Our <laughs> podcast is gonna be famous because it we is. just covered the origin stories of Guard Street. The, oh yeah. One day. Back before Vince got put in jail yes. for it, it putting, started putting here. fake art in the gallery. <laughs> So last time Vince was on the show, he just fascinated me. And then even when we were not on air, he was telling us really cool stories. So we obviously wanted to have Vince back on with us today. And I wanted to talk more really about using your IT resources at your firm, at your company to help mitigate that risk that you told us about um, so well last time, so eye-opening. And so that's kind of what I wanted to chat about today. You know, some of the things that I think about Vince, too, is, you know, rules of thumb. Do you have rules of thumb on should you use your existing IT resources? Should you use dedicated? Should you go outside? Should you spend this much money? I know I'm throwing lots of questions at you there, yeah. but do you remember? All, yeah, all, all, all great time. questions, yeah. and I, I'm afraid I I might have scared Lauren a little bit with the last segment uh, that we did with. <laughs> I'm with just all fa- the cyber I wrote attacks, stuff. I have to Google too. I have to Google China 2025 and other stuff. So. Actually, she's googling how to hack because she. <laughs> She's learning. She's I learning. turned off my Wi-Fi, Wait. though. <laughs> we we actually do have ethical hackers. Uh, so, you oh. know, Lauren, if, if you want to learn about that sort of stuff, yeah. I can, I can you connect pay? you. There's yeah. a certificate out there for them. Ethical. There's, there there's a shortage. I actually think women would be great at that because if you guys had any idea the kind of stuff we found out about men that were going to potentially date on the Internet, you would be shocked. <laughs> Well, I, believe it or not, there's been a study in that regard that I have read about. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, so women uh, actually statistically are more secure, security conscious huh. than men are. Yes, they really? are more secure on the web. Interesting. We need more uh, women in cybersecurity, truly. Okay. We right. do. Uh, so, Brad, to, to, to answer your questions, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'll tell you about a best practice in the world of cybersecurity. Uh, first part of the question is, yes, your IT team uh, should definitely be appreciating, following, and setting up levels of cyber security, including setting up the firewall uh, correctly and mm-hmm. and uh, and remediating. However, uh, you know, kind of like uh, you know, in in good uh, solid internal control accounting practices, you don't want to have the same person setting up your cybersecurity as that person that is also cleaning up the vulnerabilities. There could be a problem there. Uh, So you always want to have an independent cybersecurity company uh, going through and uh, independently looking at the vulnerabilities for remediation. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you will most certainly catch, uh, uh, have a different uh, perspective on what the vulnerabilities are, and that'll provide additional uh, uh, vulnerabilities for remediation. So yes, it's a, it's a church and state thing, right? You know, both, both are important, but both need to stay independent. And adds that extra layer, what we talked about during the last episode. Absolutely. And, you know, and another rule of thumb that a company should follow is first of all they should be investing in cybersecurity. Okay. All, all companies should be investing. I was going to ask cuz you mentioned it's way. good to have some sort of outside source do part yes. of that, you know, okay. Uh you know, and companies that that uh don't use any type of cybersecurity versus those that do something. You know, the ones that do something are five times less likely to be a victim of an attack. You know, oh, wow. so you need to do something. Right. That's a strong statistic. Yeah. Do something. You have to do <laughs> something. Do something. <laughs> I know my takeaway. I'm calling that one. Yeah. F- five times. Well, it's it's important. I mean, I mean, it, it, just anything gets you better than where you're at. You know, those layers. You start small, start building on. Yep. Brad is really going for brownie points with these layers. So <laughs> He's I'm going right. to just, no, 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 it makes sense, but it's just, you know, um, it's funny. So how, how in the world do you figure out as a company, how much you need to spend on IT, on IT security? Is it based on size? Is it based on industry? How do you even go about that? Uh, well, there's a variety of things, and you pointed out a few of them: size, uh, industry, very important. Re- uh, how regulated the company is? Okay. Uh, are are they required? Uh, you know, are they independently audited by an organization? Uh, the type of information that they're uh, housing. So, for example. Uh, if they're housing credit card information and a lot of personally identifiable information on consumers, that's a whole different aspect yeah. that they've got to consider. So a rule of thumb, though, uh, that we're asked is, oh, man, how much should I be spending? Okay, there's a rule of thumb, and then there's a way to more definitively quantify. Okay. Um, the rule of thumb is, eh, you know, 3 to 5% of revenue is a, is a common stat uh, that that uh, we hear, um, you know, one percent would be great if you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, but that's that's a tough one, and and it's a tough one because it varies by company to the point uh-huh. that you made, Lauren. So what we advised uh, companies to do, and a service that we bring is risk quantification. We actually create specific to the company, specific to the industry, the geography, factors in their regulations that they may be under. We we actually down to uh, a score 
uh, we can provide a predictor of how much they should be spending. Okay. Um, this custom algorithm allows us to determine, you know, uh, on a scale from one to a thousand, you know, if you're at a one, you've got some really lousy cybersecurity <laughs> practices uh, in your business and you need to beef it up and it's going to cost you some more. Uh -huh. But if you're at the the 950 uh, stage or, or, you know, even in the 900 stage, mm -hmm. that's really good. And at that point, it may be best to consider uh, offloading some of that expense into your cyber liability insurance, which we talked about in the, the last episode, which every business should mm -hmm. have. Uh, so yeah, there there is a statistically significant way to determine how much you be, should be spending in, in the world of cyber. Okay. And I like that. That would make it easy that to would really make it understand. Easy, yeah. Kind of gives you that uh, security assessment. Those numbers that you gave one to a thousand, are those uh, proprietary to Guard Street or does it follow like a NIST or other standards? Well, it does fall. It does follow NIST standards. Uh, and, but the algorithm is proprietary. Okay. So it factors in the standards. It factors in what you're doing today. Uh, factors in your industry. So there's a lot of different, uh, are you training your employees? You know, do you, uh, do you back up? I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's a series of questions and answers and, and information that's consumed into the model to come up with that stat. Marketing question here. Uh oh, what is NIST? <laughs> it's when you're running outside and it just starts to rain <laughs> and, and you're trying to get there fast. It's Breath. NISTing. Brad. No, no. Brad, I have hair. It doesn't affect me like oh. it affects you. <laughs> Vince, did you see that that shot that she just That's took? That's what you get. It, you yeah. know what? Somebody else listening I, right now doesn't know what NIST is. I'm trying to help them out. Vince? NIST stands for National Institute of Standards and Technology. Wanted okay. to make, make sure I got that right. And, <laughs> and essentially, it's a, a pool of standards that allow companies, should they follow them when in their organization, it allows them to put the policies and procedures that we were talk we've talked about in another segment in place and essentially controls uh, in place so that they can prevent uh, cyber attacks and react quickly okay. to them and recover quickly when they, they do happen. Thank you, Vince. You're welcome. I know I interrupted Brad. So oh, I'm that's sorry, okay. I, I had a question. And, you know, this is one that I've been thinking about quite a bit, uh, just in general, wanted to get your viewpoint on it. There are a lot sure. of different companies out there that you can collect uh, information from about yes. uh, various attacks, zero day, um, just things that are going on in the world from the government to private companies. You can collect information, port that information into your uh, protection at your company to help you uh, protect yourself from those type of things. Do you find it valuable to collect that outside information from government facilities and private organizations? Or do you think it's better to go with just standard software uh, that already collects it and then utilizes it? Uh, I'm a fan of, the, of collecting the data for foundational reasons, uh, but I'm a bigger fan of assembling your own that's customized to your business, your specific uh, needs. You really, you need, you need to have that, uh, that data in your tools. Speaking of tools, uh, what are some proactive tools that uh, firms should have in place or your view of that? 
Well, I'll start with the view, which is uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, have that. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it costs so much less uh, to, to uh, uh, invest in uh, cybersecurity services and tools than to have to be in a reactive stage. And I'm not talking about costs just from uh, the recovery of your data perspective. It's the costs of your good name of your company, reputation, the loss of revenue from clients. So it's always better to invest in the resources that will prevent the issues. Um, one, one thing that uh, is so important is protecting your network. I've heard 80 to 85% of cyber attacks ultimately are planted malware in that network. Uh, and so if you're not patching uh, if you're not updating, if you're not pursuing ongoing remediation, and you know that's that's essential. But how are you going to know how to remediate if you don't have a scanning tool, right? Uh, you know, and so that that is the first tool that that I think not I think I know <laughs> every business, no matter what size, needs to have in place a good vulnerability scan that that runs monthly, that changes just like cyber attackers change uh, and uh, ranks your vulnerabilities so that you know as a company what you need to get fixed first and prioritize. The second tool that is absolutely essential is uh, really a, 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 an email security tool that will uh, notify you of specific attacks. I think you guys are probably familiar with when you email third parties and, and they send you an email back and you see this message that says that, oh, it's from an outside mm -hmm. emailer. Yep. Uh, you know, that's a great tool, but employees tend to ignore that after a week. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. They really do. And so, uh, you know, I'm a proponent of the custom artificial intelligence-based email security where I'm just going to, your CEO is Scott Brennan. Uh, so if, if Scott uh, sends uh, or an email to accounting requesting that a wire uh, be sent and it's actually somebody impersonating Scott, the person in accounting, if they have artificial intelligence, they'll see a custom message that says, this isn't who you think it is. Oh, this okay. is an outside emailer and it's the first time they've emailed you ever. You know, okay. okay, stop in your tracks. That's good email security. Right. Stop and think. Yes. The other email security that's important, uh, we're all familiar with, or many of us are familiar with uh, marketers that will send an email uh, and they have an invisible tracker. Uh, and so they know if you've opened the email and you ever get the response from a, from a, a, a marketer that says, well, thanks for opening my email. Yeah. Or they say, I, I see you got right. this. Right. We know well, if you they, open, if they, you click, where you click. <laughs> right on. And what all. device, what device yes. you opened it from, how many times you opened yeah. up that email Time purposely day, or accidentally. Day, week. They have it all. Got well, it all. guess what? Hackers use the same tool. Ah. So if you've ever received the, the email uh, from somebody you didn't know and all it says is hi or, or, you know, or maybe it's empty, well, that's on purpose. They're trying to see if that was a good email account into the organization. You know, if, uh, believe it or not, uh, many law firms uh, use this, this email tracker because it is also a predictor of a settlement. 
uh, it, because if you send the, the opposing counsel sends an email uh, in the organization and the email is passed to multiple people in the organization, even sent outside to the insurance company, they know a settlement is coming and they'll negotiate uh, that much harder. So oh, to protect yourself from hackers, from from marketers and from opposing counsel, <laughs> it's important to have essentially what's called a silencer that stops those email trackers from working. Oh, OK, so now you're not you're not letting data fly out of your company via email and you now have custom artificial intelligence messages. Those are a couple of tools that uh, are essential. And I'll cover uh, one more that uh, needs to happen uh, annually for most companies. It's more of a service, uh, which is actually hiring an ethical hacker to attempt to break into your company uh, and be a hacker and, and look at it from the outside in and then tell you when uh, the hack is complete, all the different ways that uh, he or she was able to break in. Notice I said she, because I think we need more females in cybersecurity. <laughs> He's trying to recruit me. He is. Uh, he is. And, and get that reporting uh, so you understand, you know, where is my organization vulnerable and then fix those problems. Yeah. So those would be some things that, that I would suggest to the audience. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're on a job interview and the person interviewing you asks for something negative about yourself or something that you think you could do better. And you like you skirt around it. You don't want to be honest with yourself and you try to paint this pretty picture and make it better. That's the same reason you need somebody else to come in and try to break in because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, my cybersecurity is great. Um, I'm going to, you know. Yep. That was a terrible it, explanation, right? But we knew no, what you meant, you know? and it's right. We, we did. It's the accounting internal control approach. Right. You don't want to have <laughs> the same person uh, doing your accounting versus your auditing. And Vince, when you talk about that, it's not just trying to get into your network. It's also trying to get into you know physical security uh, from your parking <laughs> lot or into your building uh, to be able to gain access to your network, you know, maybe from a first floor or a different mm. level in the organization. Is is that correct? Or Absolutely. Boy, when, when it comes to, okay, you got me going here on the penetration testing. <laughs> so it's, it's called, it's called the penetration test. And there's, there's really uh, if, if you're doing a good job, there's four to five uh, aspects that need to happen. Uh, an extensive external scan hackers are going to figure out what your IP addresses are, your external IP addresses. So basically that your address, uh, that's the address that's used for lay, lay folks. Uh, um, <laughs> they'll look at the address and they'll see if they can break in uh, using that address. So having a scan and identifying the vulnerabilities there, but also internally, there's internal uh uh, IP addresses to each com each machine, you know, all the laptops, all the computers, the copiers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all of that is is part of uh, a good assessment. To Brad's point, literally planting somebody out in the parking lot, walking around the building, going into the lobby, even even going up floor by floor and checking oh, the wow. wireless uh, aspect and seeing uh, where a break in could happen is essential. Um, and, and then even looking at if there are, are there any custom applications for the company, you know, that aren't fully baked. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see if we can hack into those uh, as well. But then there's also uh, then there's the ethical hack, which I just talked about. But then there's the reconnaissance. So, boy, if if I can figure out who works at that company, do a little social engineering, mm 
see if there, which email addresses are available in the dark web and potentially passcodes, that's incredibly valuable as well. Because if I see that information um, now as an ethical hacker, I'm going to, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to break in and I'm going to see how far I can get. So yeah, that's all part of a good uh, penetration test. It's a little scary, isn't it? (laughs) I'm going to have nightmares tonight. (laughs) Um, So I I have a question. You mentioned this earlier, too, and I'm just curious. If I get an email that says, hi, it's from someone I don't know. If I open that email, am I causing any harm or do I have to actually click on it to cause harm? I hate opening those emails uh, as a rule of thumb because a... Uh, and hopefully you set up it, whether you use Outlook or whatever. I only email open those service. emails at work, not at home. No, just That's kidding. Okay. <laughs> That's horrible. Okay. Don't well, say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if to the extent that you can set up your email so you can preview the the email, uh-huh. I would absolutely do that. You know, the the danger is when you're opening, uh, when you're clicking on a link or you're opening up an attachment. That's you. That's the real dangerous. Danger. That's yeah. yeah. You're just calling to have uh, malware planted. <laughs> but I don't even want to open uh, okay. the emails because uh, anything can happen there too. You have to be so careful. I won't mention a name, but a specific company that does e-signature. Oh yeah. Uh, received emails the. They look so real sometimes. Yes. And then you hover over the link and it, it doesn't take you to that company's signing page. That's scary. I mean, it just, but it looks real. You really have to look. I mean, even knowing what to look for, you have to look a couple times and go, oh, that that's not real. Yeah. So it, it does yeah. take diligence. Yeah. Well, so again, you you really can't turn an employee into a, a, a you know, a human fishing machine. You know, uh, you know, the, the, you need artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence would tell you not to open that uh, that email or not mm-hmm. go any further. Right. That's so important because then it takes it out of the individual's hand and understanding those things to really uh, artificial intelligence, you know, taking that email, opening it up already for you. There are tools out there that do that uh, in a sandbox type environment to make sure it's safe, then repackaging and sending it along. You know, those types of things that are needed, definitely. I learned so much from you guys. (laughs) We're glad you're here, Lauren. Thanks. I'm glad I'm an active listener today. (laughs) I told Brad going into this, I was like, I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to learn something today. Uh, No, but you mentioned this. You mentioned this last time you were on the show, too. Don't set it and forget it. So I want to talk a little bit deeper on that, too. How often do you need to review your cybersecurity program? I mean, is it yearly? Is it monthly? Is there a set cadence? Or how do you, how do you even figure out what your cadence should be? From a remediation perspective, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, fixing the vulnerabilities, that should be done every month without question. Okay. Now, looking at your overall cyber technologies, practices, that should be done at least annually, no less than that. Okay. And if you're in a highly targeted uh, type of organization uh, by hackers, we talked about island hopping uh, in a previous segment where maybe a law firm that has a lot of client data or a, a CPA practice that has a lot of client data, those types of companies should review their cyber pro- policies, practices, and tools at least a couple times a year. Okay. You got that, Brad? Yes, absolutely. You on it? All uh, right. On it. 
So, you know, in previous uh, podcast, we talked about the bad actors becoming more sophisticated and, you know, really using artificial intelligence and, in, you know, inside your company to be able to combat that and learn and grow. Are these things accessible to your average uh, one to two attorney attorney firm? Is it something that they can get their hands on? And, you know, when you mention artificial intelligence and things like this, it's I think some people get scared. And they, yeah. it, you know, they don't want to take that step. But is it is it something they can get their hands on and and actually use? Generally, it's targeted towards companies that have at least a dozen employees or or units mm-hmm. uh, uh, users. Um, so for the onesie twosies, it's it's uh, not yet. It's coming. Okay. Uh, but uh, but in the absence of having the artificial intelligence for the say less than a dozen users, there we talked about layered securities. Mm-hmm. There is other other aspects of uh, email security that uh, can be uh, provided at no cost. You know, using you know say the the Office three sixty five or G Suite, whatever the mm-hmm. uh, the company is using. But then there's other paid uh, tools that can help to prevent more of those uh, uh, phishing emails from breaking through. And then there's other other security that uh, that can be deployed. One of the most important aspects of of cybersecurity is knowing what to look for and training your people uh, accordingly. Mm-hmm. Look, an employee that that has never been trained and really doesn't care about phishing emails and 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 pretty well opens and clicks on everything. If you train them, you can maybe bring that down to four percent of the time versus <laughs> maybe the twenty eight percent of the time right. that they open up the and click on the things that they shouldn't be. Absolutely. All right, Vince, you know, we like to end with a few takeaways for the listeners. So thinking back to everything we chatted about today, what's the one thing that you would say people need to go home with and they need to remember and they need to put into play? I would say uh, from a cybersecurity perspective, it is never a set it and forget it. I know in the world of direct response television, they like to talk about set it and forget it. I like to to say, but wait, there's more. <laughs> you don't want to set it and forget it. You got want to revisit frequently. Definitely, that was on my list too. So I'm going to scratch that one, Brad. Sorry, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Well, why don't you go next? Okay, I will. Thanks, Brad. Um, I like that you just mentioned to train your staff so you can spend how much money putting all these great cybersecurity, you know, practices into play. You can train yourself, but if you're not training your entire staff and looking at that big picture, then you're still going to have those those holes, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. I think mine, you. you know, there are tools that Vince had brought up that really allow you to go out and partner with companies that can tell you, you know, this is how much you need to be spending on cybersecurity. You know, just making a guess, I don't believe is good enough. What you need to do is really assess where you're at currently, which you reach out, get some help with that, understand where you're at, and know where to really allocate your funds. Is it back to cybersecurity insurance? Is it to maybe to purchase a different tool? Maybe it's different, add on a layer, whatever it may be. But there are partners out there that can help you with that. And I think that's uh, something that would ease their minds in knowing that you don't have to go at it alone. Oh, yeah. Cybersecurity, you could spend a, a limitless amount of money but that's not practical. Right. So, so having a, a risk score of some sort will help to say, hey, I'm maybe I'm overspending. Yeah. 
Well, and like we talked about earlier, technology literally changes on a weekly, if not sooner basis. So, I mean, you can do a great job at getting your firm into a good position, but it just is going to keep changing and changing and evolving. And that just takes more time away from you and your clients and your active matters, you know? Right. Yeah. Yep. All right, Vince, anything else? Did we miss anything major today? I love the Lex Factor. <laughs> Thank you. It was almost like a plug, but it wasn't. That it was, was like all the natural. Softball. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and he caught it. He really caught it. No. All right, Vince. Thank you so much for being with us again. We loved having you on the show. Yes. Thank you so thank much, you. Vince. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Lex Factor, and we will talk with you next time. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in to the Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.